0: The ball For the win. Good! Abro McKay denied another chance. It's gone. The LA Sparks have seen! Welcome back to the Whip Around. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, and I am so excited to be talking about the WNBA finals this week. But first, congrats to Asia Wilson for winning MVP of the 2022 season alongside Defensive Player of the Year, becoming the fourth player in league history to win both of those awards in the same year. Asia's ability to play center defensively for the first time in her career was really the key to unlocking Vegas' best lineups, and she was just a menace doing all of the rim protecting a traditional five does, while also being able to switch like a modern center on the perimeter. It truly was a historic season for Wilson, who's already on track to be a Hall of Famer just five years into her WNBA career. Rookie of the Year, four-time All-Star, two-time MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Gold Medalist, two-time All-WNBA, which will be three when that is announced later this week, two-time All-Defense, and the NCAA championship in 2017 when she was the most outstanding player at South Carolina. we're witnessing one of the greats before she even hits her prime. It's a treat. And we got to see Asia at her best with a dominant series in the WNBA semifinals against Seattle. She sat only four minutes over the four games of the series and averaged 30 points and 12 rebounds in those three Vegas wins. Uh, She was equally excellent in game one of these finals, but, We'll get to her later in the show when Andy Yamashita from the Las Vegas Review-Journal joins to talk about the Aces. For now, let's focus a little on the Connecticut Sun. A huge key to the Sun beating the Chicago Sky in the semifinals was the play of DeWanna Bonner and Courtney Williams. The Sun had three All-Stars this year, but all of them were frontcourt players. It's the perimeter play that will raise the ceiling of this particular Connecticut group and both Bonner and Williams hit a higher level against Chicago. Both of them were efficient from the field in the last two games. Williams in particular had great off-ball movement that allowed her to get into the paint instead of settling for her usual long twos. And the duo also played dynamite defense on Kalia Copper and Allie Quigley. Unfortunately, Bonner and Courtney Williams fell far short of that standard in the finals opener, although their defense was pretty good. Uh, Kelsey Young and Kelsey Plum and Jackie Young both had off-scoring nights, and I thought Bonner's defense on Jackie Young was pretty great in particular. The Sun needed more from them offensively. Bonner couldn't find her shot, one of nine from the field, typified by that game-tying three-point attempt that was woefully short on the final possession. At least she had five assists and did do a good job of setting up her teammates out of the pick-and-roll. Williams, on the other hand, is just a train wreck. Um, All of her shots came at the edge of the paint or outside of it, most of them on one or no pass possessions. She also completely lost track of the shot clock multiple times, passing out of open shots to cause shot clock violations on three separate occasions. This was a three-point game. Three possessions, big deal, especially when you can offensive rebound the way Connecticut does. Just get the ball towards the rim. Give yourself a chance. And then with those starters struggling, Connecticut really could have used some help from their bench. But Odyssey Sims and Dijon Carrington were a combined 0-6 from the field. I swear the next time Carrington makes a shot in the half court, it will be the first. It's unlikely Nia Clouden even sees the light of day in this series. Kurt Miller barely dusted off his rookie during garbage time in the last round. And the Sun got what they needed defensively from their backcourt. So this isn't panic time by any means. I wouldn't suggest they switch the rotation at any point. But the Connecticut coaching staff has consistently said that guard play will be the swing factor for this team this season. And the perimeter performance was a negative swing for the Sun on Sunday and a big reason for why they lost. The bigs, though. My, oh, my, is Alyssa Thomas something special. To have the gall to smile as you're guarding Chelsea Gray she of one of the greatest playoff heaters in basketball history on a late game possession to smile while you're guarding her is, is just true madness, but that's Alyssa Thomas. She took the Asia Wilson challenge in game one and made things tough on the MVP from the second quarter onwards. AT had five offensive rebounds and was actually pretty efficient. Her true shooting percentage was actually the best of anyone on the sun on Sunday. She also had five assists, and I'll repeat it until I'm blue in the face. A.T. should not be running the offense from the top of the key for Connecticut. But her playmaking out of the short roll as a secondary creator is astounding. She makes passes into tight windows with such pace and precision. I mean, I would say that Connecticut wasted a great A.T. game, but who wouldn't expect Thomas to come out and play exactly this hard and potentially exactly this well, maybe even better, in game two? Her frontcourt partner, Jonquil Jones, needs to have a better game, though. She just has to be stronger around the basket. Her six offensive rebounds only resulted in two points. Asia and Kia Stokes play good defense, but JJ is the tallest player on the court, and she should be able to just finish over people more often. She also has to be stronger about catching the ball when she's being guarded by a small. When that switch happens, that should be an automatic Entry, duck in, score for J.J., and that wasn't happening in Game 1. Connecticut seemed pretty unfazed by losing Game 1, despite it being played at the Suns' pace. But they lost when they controlled the tempo. They kept Vegas from scoring, especially from the three-point line. They didn't turn the ball over. They owned the offensive class. The only category they really lost was free throws. But that 19-5 margin was stark, and it is unlikely to change considering how Vegas plays and that they're playing on the Aces home court. But we've seen teams win series after losing Game 1, Las Vegas just did it against Seattle in the semifinals, and at least the Sun have a template for what will work going forward in the finals. And again, Vegas still has the best player on the court and the best shot maker in Chelsea Gray. And that's a large hill to have to climb. That's what I'll be talking about with Andy in the next segment. All right. I'm so excited to be joined by Andy to talk about everything. Ace's son from game one, Andy, how's it going? Are your ears still ringing from yesterday?
1: Yeah, it's going good. Thanks for having me, first of all. Um, But yeah, I mean, a great, great way to start the uh, WNBA finals. I mean, you know, it was a great series against Seattle and, it looks like it's going to be another good series against the sun.
0: Yeah, I was uh, pretty stunned that Mark Davis elected not to be in the building for game one and chose to go to a regular season Las Vegas Raiders game instead of how much fun that probably was yesterday. Uh, that That's a decision I'm not going to be uh, able to wrap my head around. But hey, you know, you do your mark.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, he's been at every Aces game before this pretty much. Um no, the Raiders is his main thing, but he's been pretty supportive of the team. Aces president, Nikki Fargus and Becky Hammond, uh, Natalie Williams, the general manager, are all very, you know, high on their praise of, of Mark Davis and what he's done for them. Um, you know, he's building the new training facility. So we'll see what happens. Again, I probably wouldn't have chosen to go if the Raiders had been playing at home. He probably would have gone to both. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And um I don't know if the Aces missed him because, uh, yeah, <laughs> won, so yeah, good know. of
0: them to get a win and not make him feel guilty about it. Uh, but yeah, I, I really just wanted to talk about the atmosphere for a little bit because obviously it was announced as the largest home Aces crowd in franchise history. It felt very loud just when they were presenting the MVP trophy on television. I'm sure it was much louder in the building. Like I saw some decibel ratings that holly rowe was posting that suggested it was louder than when she was at an ohio state game earlier this season which truthfully that seems wrong for it to be louder <laughs> than a college football game but then like i'm watching the game and chelsea gray hits a pull-up three in transition to put the team up 21 to 9 and like it feels loud so i'm just curious what's the energy been like in vegas and what's it like when chelsea gray goes on one of her heaters
1: yes yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy i mean I don't have access to Holly Rose decibel or whatever (laughs) she saw that that told her that, but I mean, it's definitely been loud. It's really been like that for the last month, maybe Mm -hmm. month and a half. I'd say they've probably been pulling between eight and 9,000 people per game regularly. Then Sunday was 10,135 off the top of my head, which is a sellout. So All good signs for their attendance, and yeah, I mean it's a great atmosphere. You got the pyrotechnics, the kind of laser show aspects of of being in Vegas. You're always gonna have a great halftime show. You're always gonna have a great national anthem singer, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, Mm -hmm. when when it gets going, it can definitely get loud in there. I think one thing I've always kind of noticed about about the WNBA is because it's drawing such a unique fan base. You know, people who maybe not aren't haven't always felt included or or wanted to watch sports. A lot of WNBA fans are still learning how to be sports fans when they when they start watching a team and now for people who have been following for a whole season or even people who are just showing up now for the playoffs, it's it's fun, it's exciting, it's good basketball. Again, like you said when Chelsea Gray gets on one and starts hitting those step back mid-range jumpers and the the crowd starts to get excited you know you can start to feel that and you can and you can definitely hear that i know the aces were talking about how hard it is to play in seattle but i gotta imagine for opposing players it feels a play in vegas right now
0: yeah i guess i wanted to know like in your opinion what gets the crowd loudest is it you know a A three-pointer at the end of like a run is it a big defensive stop is it you know asia wilson doing asia wilson things like what what is the fan base really tapped into in terms of the home crowd
1: man that's tough that's tough Uh, i I mean my my gut instinct is like my gut instinct is like a maybe a big three from chelsea or kelsey okay but I, i do think that they've started to the crowd has started to understand too that this team is only going to go as far as its defense and mm-hmm. when Asia makes a big play especially on defense the way she's been playing four blocks yesterday I mean it, it gets loud you can tell people get excited for that they have something you know when maybe the ball goes out of bounds and the opposing team has eight seconds left and the PA announcer will say like let's get eight seconds of chaos and then that's what he always says it can get loud so i mean it's tough uh you know it's it's not always it's not always like the expected thing you know the big three or or the chelsea gray step back like it can be a lot of things and and it's it's definitely been a great environment these last couple weeks and if not last couple months
0: yeah what's cool about the aces is i feel like all of their players really tap into that energy too like you think about seattle and yeah they have a great crowd but like i don't particularly think of Jewel Lloyd or Stewie or, you know, Subert is particularly emotive players. You know, like mm-hmm. when they do something good, like they're not riling up the fans with them, but like Asia, Chelsea, Kelsey, like that's very much their jam. You know, <laughs> like yeah. they are one with the crowd. So I think it's a really nice marriage of that style of play that they have and the the fan base that they're building in Las Vegas. So it's fun to watch that all come together, and it really feels like there's just something. I don't want to say predestined because the aces have been very good for like a few years now, but something special about this year that seems to be building just, you know, the investment that they made in Becky Hammond and her responding with coach of the year. And then Jackie young, most improved player and Asia Wilson winning these double awards. And like a lot of things are falling into place and for them to win that game yesterday just makes me feel like we're, we're headed towards the coronation. I don't want to jinx anything, obviously, you know, like, Please don't put any of this on me if things go poorly after, as the rest of the season progresses. But there's there's just like a vibe that I'm getting with the Aces. And I'm sure like they're not trying to to get ahead of themselves at all. Like it's very much one game at a time. We heard the the locker room spiel from Becky Hammond before last game where this is just a series of one game series. And like they just got to win one whatever is in front of them. So, you know, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But like I I feel very... There's there's something at play here with Las Vegas that I don't necessarily feel with Connecticut, and I'm not sure if, like, that's a vibe that you get from the team itself, but just from the outside, it feels very special.
1: It's funny because, you know, right before the All-Star break, this team looked like it was going in a completely different – like, in a completely <laughs> different direction. I mean, they start the season True. so hot, They're playing this – you know Becky Hammond's style of basketball spaced out and shooting threes and all this stuff, and everyone's super excited about them. Asia's winning player of the week every week, it seems, and mm-hmm. everything you know, it seems like they're gonna run away with the league. And then the 28 point comeback happens against Chicago, um, and it sends them into a tailspin. You know, they lose, I think they lost like five of seven after that. Mm-hmm. And you know, entering the playoffs, it really looked like okay, this is not. This is not this team like that team, like this is not the team that's going to do it all, and it really required a lot. They uh they talk about um a meeting that they had at the all star break that really kind of reset the tone for them, and um, the kind of basis of it was that they had to stop playing selfishly. You know, um, Becky's preached all season that you can't outgive the game, and the other thing she's always preached is you know, team success, winning is what leads to individual awards Mm -hmm. and you know her system makes people to play her system correctly people have to make sacrifices and I think they forgot that halfway through the season and again if you had talked to me I think I wrote an article during that stretch they were like had a great record against losing teams and like had two wins against winning teams so they kind of had these markers of being like this might this might be a fraud team like you know i don't know if you know they're beating up on the indianas and the in the um you know the los angeles sparks sparks of the world yeah and losing to the storm and the sky and um i think they might have lost to connecticut in that stretch too and maybe the connecticut lost game earlier but um yeah so you know i gotta give them credit for that like they had all of the markers of a potential champion early lost it all Mm -hmm. and looked like kind of like frauds and then found it again in the second half of the season. I think the second half of the season, they played really, really good basketball and they're, they kind of, I don't want to say they peaked in the storm series because we obviously still have one more series to go, but they're playing their best basketball at the right time, which is what Becky preached all year. And, they're winning all these awards because they won games. They're, they were the one seed they did all that kind of stuff It's definitely, I can, I can definitely see where that kind of vibe of destiny comes from. And I think by the end of the season, they're playing well enough to kind of deserve to have that, that feeling again.
0: Yeah. Speaking of playing their best basketball at the right time, um, you know, for all of the the greatness that Asia Wilson has accomplished, uh, her like her playoff run last year I'm sure was was not what she wanted right she said she came into the offseason like pretty upset with herself for how things went in that Phoenix series and i'm i'm talking about that 2021 Phoenix series and then you know we've seen this year where game 1 against Phoenix not offensively what she wants game 1 against Seattle again not offensively what she wants the way she came out you know 12 points in the first quarter of game 1 just taking control in the third quarter earning more free throws than the entire sun team put together What is it about Asia that allowed her that to have that level of impact yesterday? Like, is there a mindset that she's talking about? Like, or she and Becky having conversations about the way she needs to dominate like what, how did she achieve that level of impact to start this series?
1: Yeah, I think, I think that she knows what she has to do. She keeps talking about how she feels like this is the first season where she's really understood how important she is to the team in terms of what her own responsibilities are.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I talked to Tanisha, Wright, The Atlanta dream coach at one point in the regular season. And she kind of said like, yeah, like Asia is so locked in this season. You can really tell how much she wants it. Not saying that she didn't necessarily want it before, but there's an understanding. There's a maturity there. There's a, there's an, like an engaged level on both ends. I think her, obviously defensive player of the year, but mm-hmm. I'm, defense is really what's taken leaps and bounds since last season so i'd say it's kind of all of that stuff that keeps her engaged and then the aces also just they have their formula down now they know what they need to do to win games and what they need to do to win games is they need asia to get going and get going early you know they're gonna go to chelsea late in the game kelsey's shot hasn't been there jackie's playing a lot of defense and, you know, that's kind of taken away from her offensive game. So they know they need Asia Asia to get going and to get going early. And, you know, it's about kind of forcing her her touches and making sure she's getting the ball in good spots. And I think that the team has done a good job of putting her in good situations. Asia's been aggressive and is hunting her looks. I think you saw even – You know that first game against Seattle, there was a lot of settling. She was taking a lot of those mid-range face-up jumpers, and they just weren't going down. And since then, there's been like a concerted effort for her to get into the paint. And you know, the Stormer, smaller team, they couldn't really stop her getting to the rim. Connecticut, obviously, a lot bigger, but Asia's got the got a lot of calls last night, and you know, did what she had to do. You know, it's the Connecticut's a tough defense in a very different way than the storm are, but I don't think I've seen a team give the aces that much trouble in a while.
0: What was interesting to me was that during the regular season, I thought that, you know, they, they when they played uh, the the sun during that back to back or, you know, two games and three nights in Las Vegas, to me, like John Jones was the one that was giving her so much difficulty as a defender and she was really doing a great job of powering through Alyssa Thomas. And I am assuming, like, you know, Kurt Miller and the Connecticut staff saw that tape before they head into the series and thought they'd have a good matchup with J.J. on Asia. And Asia just had, like, was acting as if J.J. wasn't there for the first quarter. Like, it was so impressive to me how all of that size that John Quell Jones present meant nothing to Asia because she was just using her speed and her, you know, just her litany of post moves to get through her. And like to be that effective that quickly in a series is just something we haven't seen from Asia Wilson in a few series. So I thought that was just like a really nice way of asserting like, yeah, I'm, I'm the current MVP. I'm the current defensive player of the year. Like everything goes through me on either end of the floor, like metaphorically and literally. Uh, So to see her just establish herself that quickly, I think was really important because like you said, you know, Jackie young and Kelsey plum, like those shooting performances have, waxed and waned in Kelsey Plum's case I mean god what a relief it must have been for her when she finally hit that three at the fourth quarter you know to put him up four because like is is something wrong with Kelsey or is it just like a, a shooter going through a slump? because it feels like she's missing a lot more than usual
1: she definitely is I think she shot something like five of 26 from three in the semifinals she hasn't really had a shot uh-huh. she averaged like 22 points per game or something in the first round but that mm-hmm. was a defeated mercury team and- right you know, a lot of that also was coming at the rim too, not necessarily on the perimeter. I will say before we move on, totally from Asia, like I actually thought that it's it's funny because I kind of thought Alyssa Thomas played Asia very well on defense.
0: Oh yeah, yesterday for sure. That
1: yeah, Yeah. that third not third, the second quarter when, you know, Connecticut really muddied that game up and forced Aces to play that style of, of game. I thought Alyssa Thomas's defense on Asia Wilson was a huge part of that. And obviously it helps that they can call a Jonquel Jones or Dolona Bonner to come protect the rim while Alyssa Thomas is just a center block down there mm-hmm. but i have to first i just want to make sure to get that out i thought Alyssa Thomas you know she was minus 10 but she played a fantastic game
0: no i think that's DeWana. a really good point i just meant during the regular season it felt like you yeah, know they yeah, yeah, had that sure. matchup like locked up or not locked up but like she was doing pretty well and for her- Asia just immediately switched that I thought was just an interesting note, but you're absolutely right like Alyssa Thomas was unbelievable yesterday um and if any one of Connecticut's guards had decided to show up maybe we're talking about a different result um but yeah that that was not the case so for sure
1: but yeah yeah to get back to to Kelsey um I think what it's hard to say I don't want to try and read her mind or anything like that I do think this is the first time where Kelsey has either been one or one a on scouting report
0: Mm-hmm.
1: For a playoff series, I think teams know how impactful her shooting is, and really want to make sure that they don't let her get going. Because when Kelsey gets going, the whole offense flows. But I also think they know that Kelsey's not afraid to shoot. It doesn't matter, as seen in in game one, she took nine shots and she made one of them. She's not afraid to shoot if she doesn't, if she's a little cold or. Doesn't have a shot going, and that's one way to beat the aces, right? You know, kind of like let them revert back. Becky Hammond talks about reverting back to their old habits, like let them revert back to being a little bit selfish. You know, if if Kelsey's getting twitchy and feels like she needs a shot, or you know, it really wants to make one just to like get out of a cold streak, she's gonna shoot it. And Mm -hmm. teams know that. I know they think teams know they can you know bait her a little bit into into shooting and maybe, you know, one of those, like, quick transition threes or a three with 15 seconds on the shot clock instead of, you know, throwing the ball down to Asia, let her get, like, do her work and, and and you know, kind of stick to the game plan. So I think it's a little bit of both. I think teams are willing to let Kelsey shoot it when she's cold and Kelsey's always going to. And at the same time, again, like, teams are more focused on, taking her away than maybe they were in the, in the regular season. That being said, you know, she's adjusted. She's getting points at the rim. I think, I don't remember which quarter it was against the storm in the closeout game, but you know, there was a a period where the aces needed points and Mm -hmm. Kelsey plum can get you points. If you put the ball in her hands, you know, even if her shots not falling, she'll get some mid range jumpers. She'll she's done a great job attacking the rim. Her finishing around the rim is, you know, always a little tough just because she's smaller, but, you know, I think it's definitely going to be a test for Kelsey, and I don't know if her shooting will ever come back, and if it does, I don't know if it'll be. I don't think it'll be. Personally, I have no reason to back this up, but I personally don't think she'll hit. I don't think she'll be able to shoot it at the percentage she was shooting it at the regular season just because uh-huh. the playoff defense gets harder. Again, she's very high on everyone's scouting report. But, you know, this will be a growing moment for her. You know, this is her first finals. She didn't play in 2020. Right. She was out with the Achilles. So I I think it'll be a good learning experience for her, even if she isn't, you know, that catalyst or that, you know, as cute of a factor as everyone knows she wants to be in in this finals.
0: Yeah, I thought what was so impressive about her performance against Seattle was like, like you mentioned, even though the shot wasn't falling, she did a great job of, still getting to the rim you know like just like you said and that is just not there as often against Connecticut right because you have these just towers in the paint at all times that make like really difficult to get you know all the way to the basket and I'm interested to see how Kelsey adjusts her game because like I think she's a pretty decent finisher considering her size but like that's considering her size and so to have that impact against the JJ's and Bonners and Bree Jones and like Alyssa Thomas of the world. is is an entirely different situation than when you get to Seattle's backline and it's just Tina Charles. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see how she still gets things going when the three pointers and falling, because I mean, if it starts falling again, like I don't know what Connecticut is supposed to do defensively. Like <laughs> there's just too many offensive options for Vegas. If that happens. Um, and I did think that like, when they brought in Raquana Williams, like just for a little bit of extra punch defensively, like things are pretty good for Vegas. Um, so it's nice that they have like at least that other option in the event that the shot still isn't falling. Um, but like, not like Raquana is making any shots either. Honestly, uh, they, they just all find a way to contribute other ways. Like I know um, Kelsey screening is really important. Uh, just being able to distribute the ball to like on a night where Chelsea Gray incidentally had like more turnovers and assists which really happens so a lot of different ways to impact the game um i'm just interested to see how that works as a score when both of these things are not working for her
1: yeah yeah it'll definitely be interesting i mean you can always tell when when kelsey talks during uh media availability how much she wants to help be an impact and to win yeah um and yeah i i do think that a big part of it for her will be kind of finding that balance and not letting herself get taken out of the rhythm of the offense and not let herself feel like she has to score. Cause you're right. There are other ways to impact the game, especially, I mean, one thing I'll definitely give Kelsey props for is that Becky will throw her out there when she's cold sometimes and just say, be a decoy. Yeah. and Run around, cut hard, you know, act like you're getting the ball every single possession to sell that so we can keep the floor spaced and she'll do it you know I think you saw that in the closeout game you know after the first half when she was getting to the rim and everything she kind of you know had a couple minutes of shot chucking got taken out calmed down Becky put her back in Chelsea like Kelsey not Chelsea Kelsey barely touched the ball (laughs) that, but she ran hard she helped keep the floor spaced she occupied her defender and other defenders you know everyone's so scared of her three point shot and you know, I think that there's value in that too. You know, not every player will do that and cut hard five times in a row, knowing they're not gonna get the ball once. So um, you know, absolutely that's I one think, thing about Kelsey that I'll I'll always give her credit for.
0: Yeah, the movement never stops. She's like she says, she's the best conditioned player in the WNBA and all the basketball I've watched, I have seen nothing. I think to... And,
1: and uh, Jackie Young might have something to say about that now, <laughs> for, for what it's worth. But
0: yeah, the movement that like Kelsey that. has on offense, I think, is a little bit more than what Jackie's doing. Uh, for so sure. I'll, I'll give her a little bit there. But yeah, and then she always just has to be guarded. Like I don't care if she's shooting zero for eight from three. Like that is a person you want to get a body on when she's taking a jumper, and that's Absolutely. never going to change. Like even if she continues to shoot at that clip, which like for her sake, I hope that doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> But, I mean, let's talk about somebody who actually, I think, had a really great game, even if it was only 11 minutes or so in game one. I think, you know, the narrative with Derek Hamby, like, shifted a little bit during the regular season because she was struggling quite a bit after the All-Star break. And the conversation was more of, like, all of the things that Kia Stokes was doing that were better than what Derek is doing. And I've almost forgotten, like, oh, yeah, Derek Hamby was an All-Star. She's been an All-Star multiple times, multiple sixth women of the year. Uh, we've consistently been talking about how do we get Hamby on the court more often with Asia Wilson. And lo and behold, like she comes onto the floor in the third quarter and that chemistry that she had with Asia just immediately shined through. And all of these little things she's doing on the court just popped off of the screen. Uh, I just wanted to give you a chance to talk about like, what is it that D'Ericka Hamby does well? Like what were the aces missing without her on the court? Why was she so important in that third quarter?
1: For sure. For sure. I think, first of all, you got to kind of look at her whole season started so well, had like, you know, almost I think it was something like 19 rebounds in the first game. And, you know, playing in this offense looked really good. And, you know, one thing uh, I've always written about her is that, you know, more than anyone. So they had that fall off right before the all star break and then carried on a little bit into the second half of the season. Mm -hmm. And the fall off was on defense. You know, it wasn't – they were still scoring something crazy like 90 points a game or something. Yeah. They were allowing 95 points a game. They just kind of had stopped playing defense, and no one suffered from that more than Dierica. Dierica Hamby, one of her strengths as a player is that she is very aware of what she can and cannot do on a basketball court. And one of the things she knows she cannot do is she cannot create her own shot. That's why she's such a monster in transition because those opportunities, if someone finds her with the ball – that's when she can score that's when she can attack the rim you know she's she she can shoot the three but it's not a great part of her game and it completely abandoned her after the all-star break right it was something crazy like one of i don't want to say it was one of 30 but it might have been like it was something
0: terrible like seattle just completely stopped guarding her when they played during the regular season
1: yeah and you know she once she lost out on all of those uh transition opportunities she was basically just left with like two to three spot up threes per game, which is just uh-huh. not a game. You know, that's not what she does best. And so, you know, when, when Dierica was really struggling, I think it was clear that she lost touches. You know, she went from getting 13 shots a game to three and they uh-huh. were all corner spot up threes, you know, and that's just not what she does. So I think there has to be an understanding of why, she fell out of the rotation in the first place or not the rotation fell out of the starting lineup in the first place. She was always going to be part of the rotation. Unfortunately, uh-huh. for her, you know, Becky decides to make that change in Seattle. I think it was the next game, you know, right knee bone contusion out for three weeks, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, maybe she could have found a rhythm, found a spot, a role in off the bench. She would have like, undoubtedly, they, I think it was very clear. They missed her against Seattle, but you know, then she gets injured. And now, you know, Becky was talking about this Um, even before the series. She was saying, like, you know. I don't know if I can play the Erica right now, and it's not because she's doing something wrong or I'm mad at her. Like, it's just so hard to get up to not only basketball speed, but playoff basketball speed you know, I'd feel bad throwing her in against a sun, against a storm when she's still trying to get her legs under her, which I, I think is reasonable, especially for a player like Dierica, who loves to run, who loves to play hard, who wants to do all these things that are relying on her knee being healthy and and her body being in shape. So, you know, I think that's why we hadn't seen her a lot. You know, she's got that that sleeve on her knee right now. Didn't quite look like she was all the way there for Seattle. But yeah, I would also agree with you. I think her 11 minutes were extremely impactful. She was tied plus seven with Asia and Chelsea who both played like 40 minutes. Right. So, you know, like I know that that's not really a stat that you can, you know, there's, there's other things that impact that stat, but I think it shows that she clearly had an impact on the game. I mean, she comes in, they were down six. She leaves there up four. I mean, she had, she had a phenomenal little stretch there and Um, you know, it was kind of the classic D'Erica Hamby performance. The classic D'Erica Hamby performance is two points plus 20, right? (laughs) Like, and, you know, people always talk about it's the little things that she does. And, you know, I think there was, there was like four or five possessions in a row where it was like, you know, she, she do something, set a screen, seal, a seal, seal the lane for someone getting an offensive rebound for the putback, then assisting Rakwana, assisting, assisting Asia, it was all that kind of little stuff that they'd missed. And, you know, Kia Stokes is a better fit for that starting lineup, for sure. Which is not a knock on De'Arica Hamby. It's just uh-huh. that, you know, the Aces need a little bit more size. To Becky's credit, she's she's talked before about how when she came to the league, she wanted to play the kind of guard style basketball that is kind of taking over the NBA right now. And she had to realize halfway through the season, like, post-play is very much a key part of of the WNBA's playing style right now, and she just couldn't. They were the aces were just a little too small. So you know, Kia adds that little bit of toughness, a little bit of defensive rebounding. Not that De'Arica doesn't rebound. De'Arica's a fantastic rebounder. She just you know doesn't quite have that size. I think, I think six. She's listed like six three, which I think is a little generous.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I me mean, that she and Kia are the same height. I think Kia is listed too short. I think that that uh uh is listed too tall, but. You know, the the other thing that she gives them is she gives them a very versatile, big defender, you know? Um,
0: Yeah, to me, it was it was mm -hmm. the ball movement that really stuck out when Mm Diorca got in there because uh, Kia always just looks a little bit mechanical to me on offense. Like unless she's directly at the rim, it just takes a beat longer for her to make the next play with an offense
1: on the ball you don't yeah yeah.
0: even like like within her handoffs right but like Dierica is so natural in that position like just that little action that she had with Raquana in the corner that led to that Raquana Williams three I thought was so indicative of oh yeah her the flow is just better with Dierica Hamby on the court Mm -hmm. and I think she's a good enough like box out big where you know it only says that she had three rebounds which like is fine in 11 minutes whatever but like they kept Connecticut off the glass when she was in the game. Like she just positionally sets her team up for rebounds in a way that like doesn't necessarily show up on the box score. Um, So I thought it was just, it was so great to see her out in the court first of all, because I was worried when she didn't play in the first half that like, Oh, she's not healthy enough to go. But like, clearly there was, Oh, things are going poorly for us. This is the silver bullet I need to throw in if I'm Becky Hammond. And it worked marvelously. And I was just really happy that she had an opportunity to show out because Again, like like I said, like I think the narrative just sort of swung with Diarca this year where she had that awesome start to the season where like I'm consistently checking the top of the WNBA leaderboard to see who's up in rebounds between her and Asia. They just like, kept passing it back and forth to oh, we had to bench her because nobody was guarding her and now she's injured and now she's not playing and like we've forgotten about her existence and like, oh, remember Iliana Rupera? Like, no, no, no. This is <laughs> this is the player that we've been talking about for years, can Bill Lember play her more and to get her on the court to see her have that impact I thought was just awesome and like just a really great reminder of like, yeah, um, to Erica Hamby somebody who's been in the USA basketball pool, who's won all these individual awards, who's just an awesome player and like a foundational keystone for the Las Vegas aces, honestly. Um, yeah.
1: I mean, she's one of the players who came with them from San Antonio when they moved here. Yeah. So hundred percent agree with that. I think too, like, other thing to remember too, this is Dierica Hamby's first final. She also didn't play in the 2020 final. She was injured. Yeah. So you know, it's it's always you know it's always good to see players overcome injury, overcome adversity. I think Dierica faced a lot of adversity even before she got injured. You mm-hmm. know, again losing shots, it couldn't have felt good to you know see Asia with 20 and Kelsey with 20 and Chelsea with 17 and see two points next to your name every night. So. I definitely give her a lot of credit for being ready. It's funny that you mentioned that you didn't think she was going to play because Derica told me in the locker room that she didn't think she was going to play <laughs> at halftime. You know, she came in and was like, well, I guess we're going to wait another game before like we try and see if I can get an extended run. And, um, you know, and then Becky called her off the bench. She was cold, but um, yeah, I mean, found ways to make an impact in the game. And I think, you know, as much as i kind of defended D'Erica about like you know how how the season went before she got injured I do think that that part was missing a bit like she kind of forgot how to make an impact on the game I guess especially once she totally lost her three-point shot like I think that was a little bit of it too and I mean you know again it was kind of the master class of D'Erica how be like impacts basketball game.
0: Right. And, and I completely yeah. trust her to come off the bench and be ready because that's what she does,
1: right? Yeah, 100%. Like I don't I don't think there's any way this this series that she starts a game that I would be shocked if that happened. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if going forward she starts again for the Aces, but it's clear that she's valuable. Obviously, Asia loves her, the team loves her, Kelsey loves her. So, you know, she clearly has a lot of value to this team. And again, like you said, she's foundational. She's the longest tenured player on on the team. You know, she's never played for another franchise. So all of that kind of being put together, I think it was a really nice moment for her.
0: Yeah. And just looking ahead to the rest of the series, I mean, I I joked with you before we started recording that, like, I think this is going to be a sweep and um, uh, I'm guessing, you know, like you probably don't want to tempt the Connecticut sun at that point. Uh, The disrespect tag, you know, obviously continues, but just like, what do you think the Aces have to do going forward just to maintain control of this series?
1: Oh, man, it's, it's interesting. I think they have to find a way to play their basketball because I think it's pretty undeniable that Connecticut forced them to play Connecticut's style of basketball. Mm-hmm. Right. A season low eight assists, you know. Lots of isolation plays, lots of turnover. Like not lots of turnovers. You know they only had twelve, but you know Chelsea turns the ball over like six times, and you know it. the The pace was slower than I don't know. Some good analogy about something slow. <laughs> um, but, no, I think
0: you're right about like how many turnovers per possessions. Obviously, like the numbers add up. Yeah,
1: yeah and just all of that. Like, you know, I'll give Connecticut credit. Like. You forced the aces to play your game. I kind of, I kind of look at it like you know when those great warriors teams with Kevin Durant would play the Rockets. The Rockets were really good at forcing the Warriors to play the Rocket style of basketball. Right? We mm-hmm. have all these switchable defenders. You can't run your beautiful offense. Like you are going to play iso ball like us, and then it's just going to come down to who's got the better isolation players. Um, I think the, storm, the sun are a little bit like that. You know, we're not going to let you move the ball like you want to. We're not going to let you run and make cuts and do all this stuff because we're too big. Like, we're going to hit you in the paint. We're going to, you know, slow the game down. We're going to do it. We're going to play the game the way we want to play. It. It's exactly what they did to Chicago, right? Chicago had the best passing offense in the league, led the league in assists.
0: Uh-huh. But,
1: You know, Connecticut went in there those last two games and just they always talk about it. You know, they mucked it up like that Connecticut team knows exactly who they are, which is why I don't think it'll be a sweep. I think the Connecticut Connecticut team is too good (laughs) to play. I think they're going to play their style of basketball every single game. And I think they might be able to force the Aces to play their style of basketball every single game. And if that happens, I cannot see the Aces winning every single time. So I think for the Aces, it's about finding, if you can't do it for a whole game, finding those moments where you can run your offense the way you want to run it. Finding those moments where you can still get Kelsey loose for a good look from three and rhythm in the offense, you know, get get a good look for Raquana like she had in the corner on that on that be play, you know. Mm-hmm. Find ways to where where your offense, where you can play your game. Because, yeah, Connecticut is going to play its game every single night. And... I think that that's one of the big keys to me. Like, if I'm Kurt Miller, you lost that game, but it's like we forced them to play nasty. We forced them to play this gritty, slow game that we know we can win. And I think I'd be really encouraged if I'm a Sun fan or if I'm Kurt Miller about that. You know, if you can keep doing that, you're gonna grab at least one of these games, if not two, and then anything can happen in the fifth game. So, um, you know, if if I'm Connecticut, that's what I'm thinking. So. I I think that'll be one of the more interesting things to watch in the series.
0: Yeah, I think that's such an interesting point that, you know, if you're Vegas, you're obviously feeling good because you're up 1-0. But if you're Connecticut, you're feeling good, too, because as much as you would have wanted to steal that game, to be able to get Vegas to play your style, I think, is at least a, a stylistic victory. And it sort of bodes well going forward that you've like proven a template at the very least. Well, personally I mean, I yeah
1: the other thing to think about too is like i thought the aces were gonna blow them out in game one because this is a connecticut team that hasn't been home in like yeah three four days right like they went to chicago and then came straight to las vegas um you know i i've always i'm never quite sure how much home court impacts players honestly but travel definitely does yeah. <laughs> And like you know, flying across the country, getting adjusted to the time difference, right? You know, it's Eastern time over there. It's, it's Pacific time out here, like all that kind of stuff. So you're staying in a, in a casino here in, in Vegas, you know, all all of that like adds up. I thought that Connecticut was going to be a little fatigued. I thought that maybe, you know, after the excitement of game five, maybe they'd have a little bit of a hangover in game one, but no, they came out, they're professional. They played their game. They forced the Aces to play their game. And, and I think, Again, like if you're if you're the son, you only need to steal one out here. So I think they're in a plenty good position.
0: Yeah, I mean that hangover lasted for all of like five minutes to start the first quarter, and then it was like, oh yeah, this is Connecticut Sun basketball. Like they're back. Um, yeah. And maybe that five minutes was all Vegas needed, right? Like you go up twelve early, and it's just a consistent play from behind kind of situation. But yeah, I mean that that travel is an excellent point. I'd forgotten that they didn't even get to go back to Connecticut after game five. Like it's just been one on to the next and they're still in Vegas. So I'm yeah. <laughs> um, still waiting to get back to those homes.
1: <laughs> For sure. I think one other thing I'll be interested to see is, you know, the Aces kind of put a lid on the on the Connecticut uh offense by just playing a lot of zone. You know, they couldn't play zone against the storm. Stewie was too good, you know, individually. And you know, the with the way that that Jewel Lloyd can move, you know, it just doesn't work really. But I mean, with a Sun team that likes to go down low in the post, you know, you clog up the paint. They had a lot of success with that. It'll be interesting to see how much they play zone um, in game two. And it'll be interesting to see how Kurt Miller and the Sun adjust to that. So I think that's another thing to watch as the series goes on.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Um, One of my favorite things about the playoffs in general has been just how terrible opposing teams are at scoring on Vegas out of timeouts. Like you'd think you'd have your highest efficiency after just drawing up a plan to timeout and Becky throws out some ridiculous junk defense. And then the opposing team has no idea what to do, which we saw again against Connecticut. Um, So yeah, the zone is definitely a thing and it's, it's good that Vegas has been able to work on that all year. So it's not just a, an oddity that they've busted out for the playoffs.
1: It's definitely yeah, it's definitely something they've they've practiced a lot. We've seen it in spurts throughout the year. So it's not like it's anything new for them. But, you know, I think because they couldn't play it against Seattle, I think they tried maybe in game one a bit and got torched. So Yeah,
0: Seattle's passing is way too good for a zone.
1: Yeah, their passing is too good. And then Stewie, you know, like you give her any you, we'll don't, you don't, to the high post not, and
0: you're done. Yeah. She's,
1: she's gonna hit any shot. So yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, it's definitely something they do and um, it, it'll, it'll be an interesting thing to watch. I think, you know, obviously in playoff basketball, the adjustments is where a game is won or lost. I think Becky proved in the last round that she could make adjustments as a coach, um, which I thought was, which, you know, we didn't, we didn't know. Didn't know. Yeah. This. Um, I thought Noel Quinn outcoached during game one. She might've outcoached during game two, too, but Asia played so well that it didn't really matter. And, but then, you know, Becky made her adjustments in game three and, And the storm didn't have an answer. So um, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting. And you know, that Becky loves this kind of stuff, right? This is, she, you know, she lives for the tactical side of basketball. So I'm sure she's cooking up something interesting here or there, inverted guard screens or something like that. Yeah. I mean, this is
0: why she wanted to be a head coach was so that she could be the one making those calls and like to drop all those ATOs at the end of, you know, game three against Seattle. Like that's part of why they're here. Uh so we're it's definitely been
1: also, like which is also crazy to me like if you told me during any point in the regular season that the season was going to come down to Becky Hammond drawing up three successful ATOs in a row I would have laughed because I've, <laughs> I've felt like all year they were like the worst inbounding team I'd ever seen um, <laughs> and then you know Becky nails it in the in game in that crazy game three so you know I can't really say anything but you know i think you saw it a little bit like the the end of game four where like chelsea throws it away and there's a jump ball and then like you know or even uh you know they did not have any atos any inbound plays in the last game but i think you saw it a little bit in game four like that's the aces that i feel like i watched all year in terms of how they've inbounded but yeah i mean becky saved her 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 best calls for for the playoffs and I, i i'll give her credit
0: for that for sure that's so funny. Um, That's why I love having beat writers on because I did not remember that inbounding was a problem for the Aces this year. But um, yeah, their like clutch stats were like surprisingly problem. bad considering the players that they have.
1: Yeah, it's just like they could never, they could, they rarely executed out of ATOs. It felt like, you know, they drop a play and they run something and get, they get a shot, but you know, it was never exactly how you felt like Becky probably drew it up, but <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm yeah. remembering that play at the end of one of the Seattle games where like Jackie just like threw it in the general direction of Kelsey or Chelsea, and she just wasn't there, and the ball just went out of bounds.
1: Yeah, like that was kind of the normal regular <laughs> go for the Aces, or like you know, it was more or less always just someone running back towards the ball, trying or towards the inbounder, trying to get the ball. Gotcha. That was kind of the play, but yeah, I mean, uh, that, that's that storm series was so fun, and I mean that game three was insane. So, <laughs> you know, all of that kind of you know built up to that and again give becky credit because she nailed it in that game
0: the level of play even for a team that was as excellent as the aces during the regular season has definitely gone to another level in the playoffs and that's what's so much fun about this like you want to see great teams at their best and i feel like we've gotten that opportunity with connecticut with las vegas and i'm hoping that we get that for at least three more games i mean I kind of hope this ends in 4 just because I know Asia Wilson wants to go to Australia for the World Cup and like it's a really quick turnaround. So um for sure. Yeah. But anyway, thank you so much for coming on Andy and sharing all of this lovely goodness about Las Vegas. Uh was there anything you wanted to add or plug before we head out?
1: Oh, no, not really. Um, you know, uh obviously or I guess follow along uh at the uh, the Review Journal. That's, you know, who we who uh who I work for and you know, uh, clicks for my articles about women's basketball are really important. You know, it it encourages my editors to continue letting me cover them uh, at the level that we are right now. And um, obviously, it's a big moment for Las Vegas, a chance for, um, you know, a title and uh, everything like that. And yeah, I mean, it should be fun. And um, you can find all my writing there. And all of the writing that our columnists do on the aces and all of the photo- like all of the work of our, our great photographers and everything like that so um yeah we appreciate anyone who who reads along and you know if you want the like recent news and and kind of talk about about this team in particular um I don't think anyone else is is there as much as I am so um yeah I we'd always we always appreciate it.
0: Yeah, we're big fans of the review journal here at Espionation. I mean, Sam Gordon has been on the podcast earlier this year too. Sure. So yeah, great, great, great work covering the ACEs. Yeah, can't recommend it enough. And thank you again for your time.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me.